welcome back welcome to back. our uh, virtual studio for week five of uh, of our isolation series. Yeah. Uh, how's it going? Love that ISO series. I'm good, man. How are you, buddy? Doing okay. I'm uh, just, you know, thinking about all of the moments from the last dance, given that I watched it just a few hours ago, as as did you guys. So I'm still taking in um, Michael Jordan's greatness. I'm just, you know, seeping it into my pores. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. Shane, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm ready to go back to work. Jesus. I never <laughs> thought I would say that in a million years, but... Yeah, I'm ready to go back and get out of the house. Soon come, maybe, hopefully. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, be Good careful what you wish for, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Could Knock be a lot sooner than than you think. Yeah. Uh, so, been, yeah. go ahead, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, like, not be stuck at home pretty much. So, like, I really feel for, like, especially Kara, my wife, so. My wife. My, my wife. I just, I just say it in that, in that. Uh, That's exactly voice. how you should say it every. Every time time. I say those words, you're right. Yeah, okay. Right. I don't know. I don't even know why I tried to not say it in that voice. I apologize. Yeah. That was my mistake. You know, you know that we're gonna echo it. It's like an echo chamber of stupidity every time you say my wife. I fucked up. Is, yeah. Wasn't it? Uh, just until we're married, and then we all do it all the time. <laughs> I can't wait. Didn't Kara share a tweet one time that said a whole generation of men can't refer will refer to the their wives <laughs> as partners because of the fact that everyone's just gonna say my wife. <laughs> she tweeted that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she tweeted that. I don't remember her. that tweet. That's a good tweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's your wife. That's my wife. My wife. There you my go. Wife. <laughs> um. So it's been a good. Yeah, it's been a good week. I think for for all of us, we we uh, we launched our first um, spinoff series of the slice uh earlier last week or late last week so Thursday, yeah is up and running now and and we are we are full force ahead into the last uh, couple of weeks before the last of us part two comes out so if you haven't already and you're listening to this podcast please check out uh survive and endure a last of us companion um with myself with uh some guests from another podcast so shout out to the to this time with the movie podcast with uh, Shay and, and Daniel. Um, they're going to be joining for the next four weeks or five weeks, I guess, on uh, on our Last of Us series. So check it out. It's got its own dedicated stream, so you will not find it on the Slice stream, um, but you can find it on all of the major podcast network hosting places such as Overcast, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of fun stuff. So check it out, and you may get some uh, some guest appearances throughout the uh, the series as well as we uh, as we play through. Yeah, I listened to it. I really enjoyed it, and I guess it's a good segue to what I wanted to share. I wanted to announce, and I hopefully I can keep keep uh, my word. But I convinced Kara to to do a playthrough of the the Last of Us with me. Who's Kara, Gabby? My wife. <laughs> I didn't mess up that time. But yeah, I actually haven't started yet, but you're listening to the podcast inspired me to play it again. Um, I thought it was really well done. So shout out to you guys. But I'll keep you guys posted on my progression as I play through it. Appreciate that. I was saying on the uh, on the Last of Us podcast that we uh, we I've never played it for PS4, so it's the first time I've played it since twenty, I say twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. Um, so it's been a long time. There's there's some some points in the game that I definitely do not remember as 
um, in depth as I probably should going into the second one. So yeah. I'm super pumped to play it again. Um, I'm about halfway through right now, so I'm trying to stagger a little bit oh, nice. for the podcast. Okay, uh, cool. but it's it's hard not to you know just want to finish it all the way through. I, I kind of got carried away and got about halfway through the game, not even thinking I was that far into the game. So right. I'm having a blast. Yeah, yeah. I I plan on playing it on like easy or whatever easy mode is called in that game. Uh, just play, to play it normal. Easy is too easy. Is too easy. Well, even on normal, I'm, I'm I really want because I want Kara to play with play it too, right? So. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, try it out. I'd say I'd say right now playing it through it on normal just to get through the story and get the collectibles and stuff like that. Like even I'm considering upping it to the next difficulty level. Yeah. Um. But but it depends on what Kara's uh, comfort level is going to be with the game and how quickly you want to power through it. Whether it's just narrative that you want to kind of get through, right? That's 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 the main thing for me. Like yeah. for me especially because I want I want Kara to really enjoy it and I I keep I keep a. Uh, so the deal with her, because she was hesitant at first, I told her I'd watch Hamilton as many times as she wanted if uh, she played, how, played The Last of Us. How, how, how is that a negative thing? Like, how, yeah, is, how is that something you have to... That's a stupid deal for both <laughs> of you. That's the dumbest deal I've ever heard of. <laughs> okay, well, I haven't watched Hamilton, and I always tell her that I'm not going to, so... It well, I'll watch out. this amazing play oh if God. you play the best game, one of the uh, best games ever made. So. This isn't this isn't a uh, knock-on Gabby moment. Like, we're, we're, we're celebrating that we're going to play this game together. Maybe, maybe we should talk about how Shane... You. We're maybe, knocking on your family. Maybe we can. Maybe we should talk about Shane Howe and how he's never played it either. Why are you deflecting? Why are you deflecting? <laughs> I did play it. No, you Stupid. haven't. You haven't beaten it though. Oh, now the story changes. <laughs> you haven't beaten it. What? No, I never beat it. I you played idiot. Like, for like probably like half an hour. Like, no, like maybe two and a half, three hours of it. You got to the part where uh, where Sarah dies and then he stops. He got he got yeah he got to the part where it says Last of Us intro. Here we go. <laughs> and then he turned off this PlayStation. I just I didn't like the control scheme of the game too much. I you found pick a lot. I find that. Okay, Daniel. I'm sorry. I'm entitled to my opinion. I apologize. I'll I'm not knocking your opinion. I'm just saying you nitpick a lot. But that's on nitpick. That's not a nitpick. That's like a quintessential point of the game is the controls that you're playing with. That's not a nitpick. But I'm saying you, nit- you nitpick. It's a little bit of a nitpick. You haven't gotten into the game to even give yourself a chance to get used to the controls yet. I just I didn't enjoy the controls in the three hours that I played the game. So then I stopped playing it. I'm sorry. I apologize. So maybe you should play it with me. Play it alongside. Well, no. You, because you wouldn't even give just Hamilton gonna, a chance. Oh, I'm just going to I'm going to change who's publishing the podcast because I'm disappointed in Shane. I don't think it should have the slice's name on it personally any longer. Wow. That's cool, man. Anyways, I'm yeah. so proud of you guys. I just wanted to share that piece of tidbit since you were talking about Last of Us real quick. Gabby hasn't even beaten God of War. I haven't. Yeah, but remember when you Remember when you commit Remember when you committed to playing the Uncharted games? How did how did that come along? Oh, uh, me or, or Shane? Both of you yeah. guys. You guys both made commitments to finish games. Yeah. I played them. Um, yeah, for beat- 20 minutes each, right? You didn't like the controls no. after the first two hours? I actually really liked the controls of that game. I think I beat one, two, three. I just didn't beat the latest one. Uncharted? I haven't beat any of them. I'll take, yeah. I'll, I'll take the L on that one. I, I started playing the remaster of the first one. I probably got halfway through. Yeah, some great so, games. Damn, Gabby, you you really got to pick up Fallen Order. That's what we were talking about. We've this week. been uh, up on that. Yeah, I've been exposed. I, I apologize to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, luckily, um, I mean, we have no shortage of games to play if the if isolation continues into the the depths of June and July, um, and we have the free time to do it. But yes, the whole point of this was check out the Last of Us podcast. We will have a new episode every week leading up to the release of Part Two, which is on June nineteenth. So please check us out, um, subscribe, like, all that kind of fun stuff. Give us your honest feedback, and and we'll uh, we'll take it into consideration for the next time that we maybe do a deep dive on another video game that all of us have played, which is probably, I don't know if we've ever beaten a game, all of us, at the same time or all together. Have we not? Yeah, yeah um, Division 2. Division, Division 2. Yeah, we, no, yeah, no. Did we? Did Shane yep. beat I don't know. I beat it. Did you beat the Division 2? Yeah, I beat the division okay. two. I beat the main storyline, and then when the like, oh right, this... you, you stopped when the world tiers were progressing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, what we're gonna do. We I'm might do a Halo that. series leading into Halo Infinite. We've been talking about that, so we'll see if that comes to fruition. Oh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. What else have you guys been up to this week? I pre-ordered two games. We'll see how that goes. What did you pre-order? Oh yeah, Pro Skater HD remake, which. Gabby pointed out last year I had begged for a remake of that game done properly, and it came out, and I'm a man of my word, <laughs> Daniel. So I pre-ordered it, and then I pre-ordered uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima? Yeah. Yoshimi? <laughs> See, I, I knew we were forgetting something. It was Tony Hawk. Yeah. I never yeah. forget Tony Hawk. No, but like I remember like we were talking about... Anyways, yes. That's awesome. I'm excited for you, and I'm excited for Tony Hawk. That's That's great. Yeah, it sounds like, like I, most of the soundtrack is coming back too. I know that was something that yeah. we were talking about early. early yeah. most, most of it is coming back. I mean, it, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 to me is like the standout Tony Hawk game for me. That was the game that I sunk hours into. So anything that's missing from that soundtrack is definitely a bummer. And there's a couple good songs that are missing from that soundtrack. But for the most part, it's way, 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 way more better than uh, <laughs> the, the shitty version. The HD remake, whatever, yeah. it was, whatever they call it. Yeah, so I'm really excited for that. I think Tony Hawk Pro Skater is one of the game series like that really defined what I became as a person, which is a really weird thing to say when you're referencing a video game. But like a lot of the style that I like, the, my openness to so many different genres of music, um, and just like that whole aesthetic of it is, and the humor in it, all of that really trans transferred into what i became as i grew up because i played so much tony hawk that's interesting you say that because i feel like i can't say it's, it was for me but i did play i have played a lot of tony hawk uh the one i sunk a lot of time into was tony hawk Port skater 3 um but yeah i'm super pumped for it and i feel like because when that game came out it was when skateboarding was at its like peak pinnacle of like everyone wanted to skateboard right like Tony Hawk was like the biggest was like super like a celebrity and like skateboarding was just taking off and it was at that time where everyone wanted to play that game so I'm excited that they're bringing it back and I hope I hope I hope to God it's a good one I I think it's hilarious that all the all the old uh I guess old is a good way to say it all those skaters that you could skate with in the in the original game are all, all like their current age or whatever they're all like yeah. older i thought that was really funny yeah i watched um i watched thrasher's king of the road which is a skateboarding show and they brought chad muska on the show and yeah. the dude he can barely skateboard anymore like he, <laughs> he hurt himself like he hurt his back so bad and he just can barely skateboard oh poor guy um, 
but like that whole yeah i just i love skateboarding culture man like i'm i really really enjoy it so i'm I'm really stoked to see that come and i'm really excited for ghost of tsushima as well um that for me was just out of nowhere i just watched the playstation tech demo that came out i watched the trailer and i was like or the gameplay i should say and i was like oh my god this game is absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. and I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I love like kung fu movies and like really campy stuff like this. And I think this game looks fantastic. I th- I think it's going to be a struggle for me because it's single player. But what really pushed me over the edge was I sent the trailer to uh, to Courtney, and she was like, "Yeah, I'd watch you play that." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> nice, Sick. man." Uh, Sick. I'm down. Yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah, those were two big pieces of news that came out in the gaming world. I think the Tony Hawk one, just to go back to that for a second, it's kind of fitting for um, for it to have a resurgence this year just because skate culture in general, I think, has seen uh, certain aspects of skate culture. So, like, there's been a lot of demand for a new skateboarding game, either, you know, like a Skate 4 or a reboot. There's a game coming out um, called Session. Skate XL. There's a game coming out called Skate XL. Um there's a Skater XL, I think it's called. It's coming out for Nintendo Switch. Skate City came out earlier or late last year as part of Apple Arcade, which was really awesome. Um, obviously, like the Nike SB Dunk has been probably the most popular shoe this year. Um, Tony Hawk just signed a deal with uh, with Vans. Um, you know, Paul Rodriguez released a sneaker this year, an SB High. So there's just been a lot of like skater centric like news and it seems like there's a, a a little bit of a resurgence in in that way so it's nice to kind of uh it's kind of nice to 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 see that it's bleeding into other avenues of culture as well and it's not just staying within fashion or within um other media forms so i'm excited i'm excited to play as p-rod to be honest with you and tony hawk's pro skater he's he's still he's not like too old he's like 30 i think he's 35 or 36 years old now so he's still good well, like he has yeah. videos and stuff like that yeah. so i'm excited to 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 skate as him if that's an option in the game it should be an option in the game though I, I, i'm not sure did they release the skateboard lineup like the skateboarders that are going to be in it mm, i don't think so but they he was in if they i'm showed not some he right was in the originals he wasn't in the originals he was too young he was he would have been 17 or 18 years old yeah he wouldn't have been in the originals. he wasn't in the originals no but uh, I think he might have been in later, like American Wasteland or something like that. But I think that was where you built. He was in Underground. Characters. He was in Underground and he was in American Wasteland. You're right. So I played Underground. I had never played American Wasteland. So I remember him being in Underground. Yeah. Well, was he in Thug 1 or Thug 2? Uh, it looks like he was in the first one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I- and skateboarding's evolved so heavily like the tricks are so crazy and shit it's gonna be a lot of fun man i'm down they did say that they were gonna introduce they're trying to keep it as true to the original as possible but as a result of people just being used to playing tony hawk games um they were going to introduce some tricks that were like in some of the later games just because logistically they made sense like they would be kind of it would be missing it would be very apparent that they were missing um i forget what examples they use but i think a varial was in there i think they use a varial as an example um and like a couple of different tricks so you will see some um influence from some of the later tony hawk games but they were adamant on keeping it pretty true to what tony hawk's pro skater one and and two were so Mm -hmm. i'm stoked man and they're coming as a bundle and they'll be out on september 4th so it's going to be a good i think we're going to see man september's packed just thinking about it um now it is yeah 
the Avengers game and Cyberpunk, and now Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is going to be a part of that. So it's going to be a pretty packed September. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah, and it's going to have online play, I think, right? I heard it was yep. going to have online play, so that'll be fun. I think they said they were going to try to expand all of the local multiplayer options into online, um, if I recall the stream correctly. So they're really looking at just kind of modernizing what made those games so addictive. Um, being able to kind of work it into the infrastructure today, so online play, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's going to be couch co-op, but that'd be pretty sweet if you could go back and if we could sit on the same couch in September, it'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Like, obviously, Last of Us is the title that I'm looking forward to the most this summer. But you see, I, I like looking at Ghost of, of Tsushima, um, not really expecting that it was going to come out so quickly after Last of Us. It seems crazy to me that we're going to get them, I think, three, three and a half weeks or four weeks apart. Yeah. Um, watching the gameplay video, like just, just, you know, the interface of it and some of the lighting, the fact that you can play it in black and white, the fact that you can, um, uh, you know, there's just so many aspects. Like I don't really know what to focus on, but just watching the, the actual gameplay video, it was, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to see that Sucker Punch has been working on something um, so, you know, unique outside of what they've worked on in the past. Gabby and I were talking about this, but, you know, they started with cartoony games you know, all of the Sony developers really started with cartoony games like Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, and now they've moved into these like you know hyper realistic um, franchises like The Last of Us, like Uncharted, like um, Spider Man, like uh, Ghost of Tsushima, um, and Infamous as well. So you've really seen them kind of progress. So I think Ghost of Tsushima, Tsushima is probably going to be the one that bring them brings them to that same tier that I think Insomniac and and Naughty Dog have kind of reached to some of the best developers that we see today. So stoked, super stoked. It should be great, man. It should. I'm, and like to see the amount of detail that they put into that game is crazy. The fact that there's a black and white mode, there's the original, you can have the Japanese dialogue with subtitles, which is a hundred percent the way that I'm going to be playing that. I feel like I'm going to be trying to go between black and white and regular color. Cause the black and white mode just looks so damn good it's such a gorgeous game yeah yeah i just am not looking forward to playing it on ps4 i'll be honest with you and it's not has nothing to do with the call it's just the sound of my friggin ps4 being a leaf blower while that game is going is going to (laughs) be annoying but other than that it'll be it'll be fine do you think we're going to see uh gabby and i we were talking about this this week on division two um but how quickly do you think we see a, a ps5 version of ghost of tsushima and last of us 2 I mean, I think it all depends on if they're gonna offer the same thing as Microsoft smart with, delivery? with smart delivery. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't, then you probably won't see one for a little bit. If they do, then I would assume it would be day one. I hope so. I mean, I can't imagine um, being able to you not them not matching some sort of service like smart delivery just because it makes so much sense. Um, but we'll see. Um, it it makes way, sense for a consumer. You know what I mean? It makes sense for a consumer, but Sony has been in their ways in certain of certain things. So I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden they announce or not even announce or not even bring it up that they aren't going to do anything like that. So they know that people will buy the game again. That's the only thing, right? So uh-huh. True. Um, the but- other big thing in gaming this week we talked about uh, was Paper Mario. 
which got announced and it's got a pretty quick lead time. Like we're going to see it on July 17th, which I think is the same day as ghosts of Tsushima. Sh- uh, I'm really struggling to say it. Ghosts of Tsushima. 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 <laughs> as they were saying on the, on the, uh, on the feed. They were? Yeah. Okay. I'll play it if you want. No, that's no, okay. I, I believe you. <laughs> um, but Paper Mario was announced, and uh, that's uh, that's also going to be out this summer, which is pretty stoked. Origami. Origami-esque game. I forget what the exact title is, but it, it is based in origami. That's awesome. So apparently Ghost of Tsushima will require at least 50 gigs of free space, by the way. so That's like chump change. Yeah, I think The Last of Us is like 110 gigs or something like that, like something insane. Isn't Call of Duty like a terabyte now? Yeah, it's huge. A terabyte? So, no. I don't think it's quite a terabyte, terabyte, but it's like it's like a couple hundred a uh, couple hundred gigabytes. Yeah, obviously it's not a terabyte. That's called a hyperbole for the listeners out there, which is an extreme. It's called a hyperbabyte. Hyperbabyte, yeah. Hyper overbyte. So yeah, Last of Us is looking at 100 gigs right yeah. now. Jeez. Jesus I- Christ. Another thing I wanted to just say, uh, I think you, you might want to chime in, Ortega, because last week we were talking about the differences of uh, Sony and Microsoft's approach to, I guess, marketing and advertising this new console, right, that they're going to supposedly launch later this year. Um, I read something, and it, it struck me, and I feel like it's true, um, where Microsoft is essentially focusing on the new console They've been focused on it since December when they announced it at the Video Game Awards, right? All their efforts are in that right now. And then you look at Sony, and they haven't really shown much about it opposed to this past week where they showed the tech demo because their 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 big focuses right now are The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. They're two swan songs for just generation, right? So I think once these two come out, they'll they'll shift gears to show a lot more PS5, talk more a lot more PS5. So I think it'll be a good um, marketing tool to be able to say, you know, when these games come out, as we learn more about PS5, that they'll be available day one through whatever their equivalent of a smart delivery service would be to you. I, think I hope so, man. People on board. I hope so. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we're only today's the, the 18th. So we're a couple weeks away from that, that uh, PlayStation UK magazine reveal of PS5. Um, so hopefully we learn about PS5 sooner than when that magazine comes out. But even if we don't, we're really only a couple weeks away. So we should have a lot more detail um, and we can stop the speculation on PS5 and start to, um, you know, dive into some of the specifics as to as to what it's going to look like and what's going to be available yeah. at launch. For sure. Which leads us to our last little bit of gaming uh, news slash surprise this week, which was seeing Unreal Tech. Uh, on the PS5, which looked pretty incredible um, for the first time this week, we saw some uh, some tech demo that didn't really it wasn't a game that was being developed, but it just really showcased lighting and textures and taking advantage of the super uh, the super fast SSD on the PS5. Um, it looked uh, pretty incredible, G- Gabby. I think you said that ray tracing wasn't even turned on, so yeah. After learning that, like the lighting looked phenomenal, so I can't imagine what it will look like with ray tracing enabled. But it 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 didn't it didn't quite look like the jump in like visual fidelity that we've seen between let's say PS2 and PS3. But I think it's really going to be in the details. The devil's going to be in the details this generation, so it's going to be things like textures, lighting, how well games are running. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, performance enhancement 
rather than maybe visual enhancement because we have gotten to pretty photorealistic games uh games already yeah that it's hard to imagine that they're going to be able to get you know much better it's really going to be around animations and motion and 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 the way maybe people can animate facial um uh, facial Just, movement and stuff like that 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 i think is where we're really going to start to see things unlock with the next generation just make my console quiet that's my only ask is like like i know they're going to run hot but it's the sound of consoles can get so ridiculous in certain things because they're running so hot just make sure it has good cooling that's key that to me is like what this next generation of hardware should be about is like optimizing it not only to get the most out of it but also like the most enjoyment out of actually owning it and like the my xbox one x runs loud in like the menus of call of duty and my playstation 4 <laughs> runs loud when it's off all the time yeah like unless i i have it unplugged but like the fact that i have like a server that runs you know eight nine hours a day and i don't even hear it is to me is like you got to work on that. They got to get airflow down and stuff like that. I, I hope they took that into consideration. And I remember the brick in the original Xbox one that it came, or the, I think it was on the 360, the external brick, like that design. And then they built it into it. Like, I wonder what that's going to look like. Power supply should obviously be built in, but I'm wondering for cooling and stuff like that. It's crazy to me that like this generation also, was quieter than the last because I remember hearing my PS4 for the first time and being like, it's not as loud as PS3 and Xbox 360. And now it seems like we're at a point where these ones are loud as well. So I wonder how much of that happens just over time as stuff kind of gets caught in the fans and, and the cooling system of the, of the console. But you know, it, like the stuff that's pushing it now and especially the more demanding games um, like call of duty. And I'm assuming ghosts of Tsushima and, uh, and last of us part two, they're going to push it and you're going to hear it being pushed it's going to sound like coughing i'm pretty sure our consoles will cough as we're playing them but yeah, yeah to be determined i think i picture the pokemon coughing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that kind of takes us that brings us up to date on gaming news for this week so there's been a lot of stuff we're probably gonna have quite a bit to talk about over the next couple of weeks um regarding so, gaming yeah. just with ps5 reveals and summer game fest uh having pretty consistent announcements so stay tuned We'll give an update, um, we'll give our takes, and obviously when the PS5 gets announced, we'll be able to kind of deep dive into that the way that we have with Xbox Series X and some of the games that we've seen so far that that have been revealed for next generation um, that we talked about on last week's podcast. So the other big thing that we all kind of wrapped up today, um, for the last five weeks, we've been watching The Last Dance, which is the documentary of the last season of the Chicago Bulls' like, amazing probably never to be replicated again run throughout the 90s that I didn't get to be a part of and watched as it happened. Yeah. Um, and neither neither did Shane really. And Gabby, I guess you would have been relatively young when it happened as well. But um, we wanted to spend the next, you know, the last bit of the podcast talking about that today just because, man, I, it's kind of tough to, to watch something in retrospect because, as you're experiencing something like obviously we have LeBron James right now and watching, you know, what's, what's unfolding with his career and, and the moments that he's had, but to go, but to go back and watch something that's like as impactful that really exists, like without social media, without, um, the interaction that you can have with, uh, with the, with the world in real time today, 
it's insane. Like it, it's just crazy that a that that things happen the way that they did, where a team could actually threepeat twice in a decade. I I, I don't <laughs> think that'll ever be done again. Um, and the only reason they didn't probably win four or five in a row was because he left to play baseball. Um, but like it it just it feels like one of those storybook movies. It doesn't even feel like it really happened. It almost feels like a legend to a certain degree, and we're not really that far removed from it either. Um, but it was. It was a great series that covered a lot of, of, uh, of, of pivotal moments that, you know, I think we've heard about, but we didn't really know the details of. Um, and, and the last couple of episodes that we just watched today that were just released today on Netflix um, really covered kind of some of those, um, those theories and those moments that maybe we didn't know all the details on. So let's get everybody caught up with kind of, you know, the first eight episodes. We talked a little bit last week, but it'd be a good idea, I think, to catch up with what our thoughts are on the first eight episodes. And then we can spend the last little bit talking about today and uh, today's ninth episode and then the finale. Um, so what kind of, you know, in the first couple of weeks overall, what did you think of the documentary? First of all, and then second of all, you know, what were the, what were the things that you had kind of in the back of your head going into today's finale that, you know, either stuck with you or storylines that maybe really, really stuck out to you? Cause I definitely have a few that, that I'd like to talk about. I think for me as coming at it, like I said, in previous spot or previous, yeah episodes where we talked about it and I'm not like a huge I don't follow basketball I think this documentary for me really exposed me to a lot of like the greatness that can happen within the sport um it was amazing to see uh everything that was going on and and the passion from the players and how so much that like how so much had changed in the game from the little bit that I've watched from back then to now and getting to hear the players behind the scene perspectives on it, I thought was an amazing sort of thing. I know leading into this week's uh, episodes, I was still so curious as to the flu game because the only reason that I know about the flu game is because of the shoes. So I was always curious to what that was like. And mm-hmm. then we got the inside scoop on what that was, um, which I thought was hilarious. And, but also like Michael Jordan is just not a human being. He's like a Japanese deity that is built upon vengeance. It's so crazy. So like seeing that dominance, that passion, that resilience is like dumbfounding. I know like before going into this series, I thought, oh man, Michael Jackson's a dick or Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan's a dickhead. Like everyone says it, you know, he wouldn't sign autographs. He wouldn't give people any attention, blah, blah, blah. And then like watching this, I did gain respect for him and like, it allowed you kind of into his mind state and, you know, you go, you go on to accept that, you know, there's a, another side to everything, but like a couple of things that stood out to me is like Dennis Rodman is like a bad, bad man. He's like, <laughs> crazy, like <laughs> so crazy. I was texting Gabby during the last episode. Cause we we're watching it around the same time. Yeah. And there's a point and it's just a split second, but that to me sums up Dennis Rodman where they win in uh, they win the the in 20, what is it 1998 right yeah yeah and he looks to the crowd and gives them the suck it like the, the generate the degeneration x suck it to the crowd <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh my god and the fact that he left to go to the wcw and be with like nwo i thought was so good <laughs> that was amazing like I love that. And seeing Scottie Pippen as well. And like, I would describe myself and my work ethic kind of like, um, 
like a Scotty Pippen where it's like someone who co- would rather compliment uh, somebody else and like help them also achieve and do well and that like co-pilot almost. So I really gained a lot of respect for Pippen um, throughout the, the series. And it was cool to see Steve Kerr. Like I only knew him as a Golden State Warriors coach. I, didn't, I had no idea I played on the Bulls. That's so crazy to me that you didn't know that. I had no idea. And like seeing all that and learning all that, I was like, man, that's crazy. But I think the craziest thing for me, and I've said crazy a lot, but the craziest thing for me is Michael Jordan's security guards. And like, they just look so not like security guards. (laughs) There's a bunch of old dudes, especially the guy with the curly hair. That's you, by the way. No way, dude. That's totally you, man. Snip Brothers? That's you. (laughs) That's you, man. That's you with a jerry curl, bro, and a mustache, man. That's I wish. (laughs) I wish. But, like, that's crazy to me. I don't know. I really enjoyed it overall, and that's that's what I got. The soundtrack in it was fantastic as well. Really good. So, overall, I give it a a slam dunk. (laughs) Slam dunk. An alley-oop or just a regular slam dunk? Like a... Free throw miss, Michael Jordan. Oh, lopped himself. Okay, got yeah. it, got it. That's a yeah. pretty good rating, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I echo everything that you've said. I a lot of the things stand out to me, and I feel like a lot of I. I this is probably the first documentary series that I'm probably going to rewatch because I feel like I just want to watch it again. It was it was just that well done. Um, but yeah, I feel like. The one part that really stands out to me still is I think I don't remember if it was after episode six or seven. No, it must have been six because seven was I believe it ended with Reggie Miller, um, where he's talking about like his leadership and like not like he's not gonna fucking ask someone to do something that he wouldn't fucking do himself, um, and like he carried people along with him that that didn't want to be carried, and like it just. Just yeah, just seeing his mindset and like the way he tackled everything from anything in his life was just remarkable to see, and like it was just it was inspiring, man. Like he is the greatest player to live, and like this 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 documentary just reminds you that he was so dominant, and like he just didn't he was never afraid, you know. So yeah, I think. Um, the one thing that I've that has I've kind of wavered on for the last little bit is, you know, you know his greatness as like this mythology. Like there is there's a mythos behind Michael Jordan. Obviously, like his influence is now far reaching beyond just basketball. But you know, he's a brand now. He's he's the face of of Jordan brand for sneakers, and yeah. that's really been his major endeavor for the last you know decade or so. Um, even more than that, probably for the last 15, 20 years, essentially since he's retired and even when he was a player. Um, but you kind of lose, it's easy to lose sight, especially if you didn't experience it because you're, you, for us, I think the, the closest thing that we've had to, a, a, a Michael Jordan has been Kobe and then LeBron. Um, but there's always these intangible things that you can't quite understand through the lens of, of just reading about history and not being able to really experiencing it, uh, experience it yourself. And so 
there's been moments kind of over the last like four or five years where, you know, taking a look at LeBron James and taking a look at the way he's built and the kind of athlete that he is, um, you can make a case that he might be the best athlete that's ever played basketball. But, and, and I, I believe that I do think LeBron James is probably the best athlete we will we'll ever see just based off yeah. of his build and, and, and the way that, that, that he's able to, to, you know, um, age but still be in, in in his prime in a lot of ways and and I don't, he's he's his own beast he's something that really can't be explained as an athlete but i think when you look at the determination the the bottom line the like the inability to to think about anything but winning that is something that Michael Jordan has that nobody else has like Kobe's probably the closest to it that killer instinct but like you watch MJ talk about winning and you talk about MJ having to make, you know, sacrifices and, and, you know, not always being the good guy and not always, uh, doing the popular thing, but it's always through the filter of, of this is what you have to do to win. Yeah. That's something that like, I, if you did a, that's the one thing that I'll take away from these 10 episodes is that Mike, Michael Jordan is relentless in, in, in achieving victory and achieving his goal. It doesn't matter what it is. If we tell him he can't do it, you're basically laying out the foundation for him to go and achieve that thing, whether it's him playing baseball, whether it's him winning a championship after coming back, after people said that he was washed up, after he came back in 95 and, and you know, they got eliminated in the playoffs um, after, after not having played for such a long period of time. If there's one thing to take away from the documentary, it's that he is absolutely a competitor and there's nothing there's there's nothing that you could do to ever break that from Michael Jordan. That is his legacy, is that he's relentless. You watch a documentary like this on on, you know, LeBron, I'm gonna make the comparison just for the sake of, of what was going through my mind. You make that that comparison to now. I don't think there's a player that represents like relentless drive for victory in that same way, because there's so many other things that is being considered that take away maybe that singular focus. You know, there's engagement with fans, there's, you know, global influence, there's, you know, there's branding, there's all that kind of stuff that takes away. But I don't, no player for me evokes that same level of like, of just like determination to get to, to what the goal is and a very clear understanding of what that goal is. And that's winning championships. Nobody else in any league, I think right now has that same determination to get that done. And that's, something to just like it's just something to behold and think about and really I, I don't know if we're ever going to see something like that ever again just because we haven't thus far and we didn't before Jordan we haven't since Jordan so it, it'll be interesting to see if anybody really can 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 drive that same way but that was kind of the the thing that really going into the last episodes is you know as as he knew as he knew that his legacy was coming to an end he was getting older it was the, the Bulls last run at a championship how do you start to understand that you're not maybe going to be able to achieve what you did earlier? You can't push yourself the same way as you did when you were in your mid twenties to your, to your late twenties and your early thirties. Um, and it's kind of sad at the end of, of episode 10, when, when you hear him talk about the possibility of coming back to repeat for the fourth, um, yeah. for the fourth time in 1999. And there's this like, there's this moment where he didn't know what the actual reasoning was. He talks about it. He says, you know, I never heard a really a direct reason why we broke up and why the Bulls couldn't come back. But like, I'm interested to hear it from the owner. And then you see the explanation and you just see this sinking feeling in Jordan's face. Cause I think there's a sense that like, if he had gone back in 1999, like that would have probably been 
his last season, he wouldn't have come back and played for the Wizards again. That would have been his goodbye to the game. And he talks about, you know, I would have taken a one-year deal. Kerr would have taken a one-year deal. There's a lot of if, like what-ifs there, but right. you could see that disappointment in his face that he didn't get to experience like like winning that championship and having that drive one more time. Even even the, the, the double three-peat wasn't enough for him that he needed to win a fourth after he just did something that had never been done before, he needed to go back and, and still prove something to himself. And that's, that's man, that I don't, I don't know if there's anything else that sums him up better than just that moment where he's like, you know, we could have done it. Like there is, there's a very good chance that we could have won four years in a row. And then that would have been it. So it was, it was great to see it. It was awesome to kind of learn the history about, you know, all of his teammates over that time. And I loved what the documentary did with, you know, um, building the entire 1998 season uh, throughout the entire series, but then going back and talking about yeah. what happened in 93 and drawing parallels. Like I really like that element of it. I love um, that part for sure. I love that you brought that up. I, it, it, it's just so cool. Cause even in the finale, like you're still experiencing the first three Pete as you're experiencing the second three Pete. And it's almost like they're on this concurrent path, um, which is really, you know, I think that's just smartly directed and, and kudos to the filmmakers and the people that, that implemented that idea. But um, but yeah, it was, it was great, man. I, I give it, my rating system is going to be rings. So I give it six <laughs> rings out of six. Uh, I would, I will definitely watch it again. And, uh, and, and I hope that ESPN makes more series like that, hopefully on like Kobe and, and um, we get to see that one day, obviously it'll be a little bit more somber and, and probably tonally different, but you know, it just kind of makes me excited to see what other stories, um, that, that are out there that we don't quite know all the details of that will really kind of illuminate the character of, of athletes that we've really built up. So good job, yeah. ESPN. You guys did a really, really great job with the series. I think um, I heard ESPN is coming out with, I know it's different, but a 30 for 30 on uh, Lance Armstrong is coming out next week and it's going to be a multi-episode one as well. So that might be interesting, uh, seeing that the rise and fall of Lance Armstrong, I think could be a cool one. Yeah, I, I think he, that'd be pretty cool. He got shit for doing steroids, right? But then there's a the, the documentary Icarus, which exposes that like 98% of like the competitive biking industry was doing steroids. But he got singled out for it and taken down and his medals got stripped and given to somebody else who does steroids. So like, it's really interesting to see that kind of thing. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And I got to say like... um. I, th- I wrote this in our little offline chat here, but I do think the Utah Jazz had such nice jerseys. I remember looking at them and be like, damn, those are some nice yeah. jerseys. Yeah, oh, they did. They're so nice. What were some of your like favorite moments of the of the whole docuseries? I really liked uh, – I liked the, the – uh, the baseball stuff. I'm a big baseball fan, obviously, but I loved hearing like the take on whether he was going to have – a shot at actually making the major leagues. And like most people in baseball thought that he had a legitimate chance at making it just because, you know, going back to what I talked about earlier, like his determination didn't, wasn't just basketball related. It was, if he told the guy he couldn't do something, he was going to find a way to do it. Um, and so watching him like, you know, change his body for baseball and, you know, learn an entirely different sport than what he had been playing for the last 10 years leading up to that moment, and then he ended up hitting like two, I think it was 204, having never played through single A, high A, and just going directly to triple A for, for Birmingham. Like, that's a feat, man. That's not that's not an easy thing to do. 
Um, if you think about other athletes that have made the jump, you know, guys like, you know, Tim Tebow right now is playing in, in, in AAA, obviously not as good as Michael Jordan played when he was in, in Birmingham. So just kind of reading up on that after, it was really interesting to know that most people or a, a, a large contingency of people believe that if he had stayed with baseball, he actually would have made the major leagues and would have been a major leaguer in two different sports. Um, and I think it would have been the first time, if I'm not mistaken, it would have been basketball and, and baseball. The other two cross sports uh, in Bo Jackson and Reggie Jackson, uh, or sorry, Bo Jackson and um, and uh, Deion Sanders were baseball and football. So there's never been a, a basketball, baseball hybrid player. Um, I think just based off of the way that they're built and, and just kind of the skill set of basketball players and baseball players are very different. I think I liked seeing when he made the Space Jam thing, like about how he would still play pickup and you saw all the different players that he would play in the NBA yeah. and go and play against them and stuff. Yeah, that, I was, really that cool. was really cool. I think Reggie Miller looks like a living skeleton when he was playing in the NBA. Like, <laughs> it was so crazy. Like he looked so gangly. And when Michael punched him, oh man, it was crazy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. The whole Dennis Rodman story arc, I'm totally into. You're into they that. should make, they should make a documentary just on Dennis Rodman. That's what I left like thinking. I'm like, man, is there just, one? I, I, don't, I don't think there's one in the same vein as like as the Last Dance. But could you imagine just just if they focused on him for like five episodes and all the crazy shit that he was doing, or if you could even imagine like a player now. If that were to happen now, that a player needed that kind of outlet to be able to write himself and get into the right headspace to be competitive and be a lockdown defender, like that would never happen today because there'd be photos of Dennis Rodman all over Twitter as he's partying and doing all this kind of crazy shit. But it's 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 insane that like Phil Jackson, he says he's okay with it, but like they understood that that's what he needed to be able to be his best on the court, right? And and he said it in the documentary, like it doesn't matter what I do outside of here. When I clock in, like I'm at a hundred percent every single time. doesn't matter if I was partying. doesn't matter if I was in Vegas when I'm here, I'm here and I'm present. And I think he proved that, that like it didn't distract him from what his ultimate goal was either. Even though, you know, in, in most cases you would think that, you know, partying and flying away from your team and, you know, going and being on um, wrestling during the NBA finals would be a distraction. And, Phil Jackson kind of said it best. He's like, it might distract you as to the reporters. It might distract you from the NBA finals, but it doesn't distract us from the NBA finals. And then they ended up winning anyways. It yeah. wasn't even like a hurdle for them to overcome. So it's crazy that, that, that it's just, they gave him the longest rope ever. And they were like, as long as you come back and you are who we need you to be, then go fucking do whatever <laughs> fucking drugs you want to do and disappear for 62 hours to 72 hours just make sure that when you're on the court you're fucking locking down in the paint and uh, and he did it rebounds yeah yeah like it's so crazy that he just fucking came he could do all that crazy shit and he would just come back and be like yep i'm good like like just bounce right back and be able to do the things that he was you know he was brought in to do yeah he hit diamond dallas page with a chair yeah he did so good yeah Oh, good. One thing that really, like, one thing that really stood out to me as well was his drive for, like, I guess finding motivation to completely destroy somebody was was really enjoyable. He, like, it it didn't take much, or he would even make up something to to get himself going, and that 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 alone tells you a lot about about him. 
who was it that he said approached him uh, after or came up to him after a game and, and I said the, nice nice game Mike and then he he yeah I forget he the person thirty eight on him or something <laughs> like that it, next. It, was, it was I think it was someone on the Washington team I think they were called the Bullets back then um, and he, he said to him nice game Mike and he used that as motivation because they were playing a home and home. Um, so they went back to, I guess, Chicago, and they played in Chicago. Um, and he dropped the same amount of points on him in the first half that he dropped, like the the game prior. And then after after he went on air saying that he he made that up. So I thought that was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he admits it. He just kind of laughs. He just he's like, yeah, hey, that didn't happen, and he's just laughing it off. But yeah. that's the kind of like insanity but the kind of drive that he would have is that he yeah. would just create a storyline so that he could take your head off he wanted to he take your head off he did it in episode in the, in the 10th episode as well when they were playing in the finals and and uh, i think he had talked to there was a rookie or something like that that was like oh i forget the exact quote but he said something to him along it might have been bj armstrong or something like that but he said something to the effect of like like, oh, Mike, I'm ready to defend you or something like that, or I can take you or something like that. Um, oh, no, this was, he, like, this was the Utah. This was the Utah guy. Was um, it Utah? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Utah. Yeah, he said, why Lots did you have to quit? You you heard I could have guarded your ass, so then you quit. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And yeah. he just he, he's like, yeah, he was on my list like for years. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was waiting yeah. to expose him. He was on and my there's list. This, there's this shot of MJ looking at him and he's just giving him a fucking death stare and you can tell that he's like i'm gonna eat you alive i'm gonna make you regret every word that you ever said and i was telling gabby this as i'm watching the series today i'm like if you're if you play against michael jordan or if you're in the nba when michael jordan is there why would you do anything to motivate him like i you just shut the fuck up and just like just (laughs) stay out of his fucking way but like people are like taunting yeah. him and going into the media and being like yeah i could guard mj and all this kind of shit gary payton had his whole like rant about how he you know he locked him down and michael, michael jordan sees it now and he laughs it off he's like yeah, yeah that had nothing to do with him like <laughs> it's just so it's just so relentless and so ruthless yeah. but like i don't understand why you would do that a guy that doesn't need any more motivation or and thrives on the Trash idea talking. of yeah, and, and and just, you know, exposing you. Like, why would you ever get want to give that guy fuel? And everybody seemingly did it the entire time he was in the NBA. I'm just like, man, the guy's good enough. You don't need to do that shit. And if you really want to get shit on, okay. And then that's what he did every single time. Yeah. Um, it was the yeah. guy's name was Brian Russell on the Utah Jazz. And the uh, the 37 points was LeBradford Smith did not yeah, say a nice game. Smith, yeah. That. yeah. Was it Washington? Was I right? Uh, I'm fact checking us right now. I just real quick, there is a thirty yeah, for thirty. It was Washington on, on Dennis Rodman. Yeah, and there's also a, a documentary called Rodman coming out, or is already out. Oh no, it comes out on the first of September this year. Yeah, I, the, the thirty for thirty is called Rodman for better or worse. Yeah, I will be watching that. It, it like every day that it's out, I and am excited for the, that. The thirty for thirties, like in general, are really good. I, if, really great. Yeah, we listened to a couple on our on our uh, our road trip last year, and there was some really interesting ones. Okay, it's crazy how petty sporting figures are. Like even Jose Canseco is just like the pettiest dude ever. And listening to like their motivations is is it's so funny. We build them up on this pedestal, and then they're just dudes that just want to get back at other people. So. Overall, I I think we all agree that 
the last the last I was going to say last of us again. The last dance um, was great. If even if you're not a fan of basketball or anything, I think if you're a spa- fan of sports, uh, you'll enjoy this documentary hands down. It's just really well done, and it gives you a scope of one of the greatest players to ever live. But I wanted to, I guess, wrap us up with one thing that was I think might be really fun. Um, if you guys don't have anything to say, I'm going to share it in just a sec. Yeah, do it. Yeah, go for it, man. Okay, so since we're talking about uh, documentaries and shit like that, um, sports docs, I guess, in specific, what would be your ideal... I know because we just talked about like the Rodman one. We had to watch the Rodman one. What would be your ideal sports doc that you'd want to be made? Or let's even let's say that you would choose to get made. I don't know, man. Think about it. It's a fun question. Like, what would I'm, be... not, I'm not that invested in sports. I'd say you're decently invested in sports where you can give an answer, man. Come on. I would say give me a – like I'm sure I'm going to say one and there already is a documentary on it. Do you know what I mean? I would love to see a documentary on like Mike Tyson in his most dominant days in boxing, like something like that. I don't like the New England Patriots, but I do respect the legacy that that Tom Brady's left with that franchise. If they did something that covered the entirety of his career and like just everything that he's been able to accomplish over the the years that he's been in New England, I think that that would be super compelling. I just think for everybody, I think it would be great to see like that level of he's he's the He's the MJ of football, so you yeah. see something very similar there. But I think he's a lot more reserved. So I, getting behind the scenes on like what it's like to be in the Patriots locker room or what it's like to to um, to approach every draft, not knowing who your wide receivers were going to be, and never really having a star-studded cast of receivers and, and supporting cast around Tom Brady, mm-hmm. how they were able to be so good for so long. Like, what was the brain trust that made those decisions, and how were they made? I'd be really curious to learn about that. And then as like a personal sports fan, um, I would really like to see a documentary on the Blue Jays um, going back to back in 91 and 92, uh, maybe from like the mid 80s from when they first became a competitive team. But yeah, they covered 91 and 92 and then the lockout years. I think that that would be a really, really cool um, period of time to cover just because of how many, um, you know, how many stories have come out of that. Obviously, Joe Carter home run and. Um, players like Ricky Henderson being a part of, of the Blue Jays and, and you know, Joe Carter being traded and uh, Robbie Alomar being traded to really complete that. Like, there's just so many storylines that I think you could you could really unpack there. So that would be my choice of, uh, of if, it, if it was up to me, I would say Blue Jays. But I think in terms of impact on the sports world, I think a Tom Brady slash Patriots Bill Belichick documentary would be super, super illuminating and be super interesting to watch 100%. No, I, I like that. I think for me, I other than the obvious for me, like anything like Kobe Bryant related, which I'm sure will happen in the near future, um, I'd love to get an inside scoop on, like I guess Kawhi's journey in the NBA in terms of him starting in San Antonio, and like I guess falling through, like I guess falling like they're their drama that they had like what really happened behind the scenes like what made him not want to be there anymore and then mm-hmm. following his journey through being traded to Toronto and then now in 
Los Angeles, I think would be pretty fun to watch. That would be my go-to, my answer. Nice. I almost feel like they're like at the end of his career, it'd be really interesting to watch. Cause let's say he does win a championship with the yeah, Clippers. No, for sure. A hundred percent. I agree. Like if, if he's the guy, I kind of, t- I joked about this when he signed in, in, in LA, but like, if he's like the assassin, what are the people? Yeah, like, him and, and you win a championship. He's a, yeah. He's a mercenary. <laughs> like you just bring him to all the cities that haven't won before. And he just wins in Toronto, LA. He won in San Antonio. Obviously San Antonio was successful before. He got the there, Knicks but. wins a championship. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, could you imagine if a guy's like, give me $20 million, I'll give you a fucking ring. And then he just moves on to the next city every year. Yeah. That'd yeah. be insane. That'd yeah. be so cool. It's like Yamir Yager, except he yeah. didn't win cups. He just was a mercenary. He would just go. Yamers went. Yamers won a cup with them, you know. Yeah, probably, I think so. Probably with the Pens. He didn't win a he didn't win a, a cup when he started becoming like a mercenary for different teams. So I think is what Shane is getting at. Uh, I see. He did it in his okay, prime. Okay. Got it. When he was it. in his forties, he didn't win with like the Florida Panthers or the whoever else he played with. Yeah, I think Shane's would be a, a Yamayager documentary. Uh would you watch that? No. <laughs> no. Or maybe like uh no, I don't know, man. Like I, I really don't know. I don't I would have never said I wanted a documentary on Michael Jordan and I really enjoyed it. So like I think what I need to do is like go through a lot of the thirty for thirties and that sort of thing and then I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like a competitive darts documentary. <laughs> yeah, man. Sounds like a Hell of a time. It is does. there a documentary that you would want? Okay, open it up, I guess, a little bit. Ideally, outside of sports, is there a documentary on like a phenomena that you've never watched or something that you would really hope got documented? Does, it could even be happening right now. That I feel that... like he'd probably pick something music-related. Well, I already saw that. That was the Hamilton documentary that came out. Um <laughs> I don't, I, again, I don't know. I would have to think about it, to be honest with you. Like, I love documentaries. Today, I, was, I watched three different documentaries today. I watched one about Winnebago Man, which is a guy who <laughs> did this viral video way back in the day, about, like a guy who was selling Winnebagos and was cussing all the time. So they wow. tracked him down. Um, I watched a documentary on a cult from uh, California. Um. And I watched uh, a documentary on this guy who thinks his dad was the Zodiac murderer. So I don't, I, I just watch them as they come along. I'm, I'm not really sure. <laughs> but there's no particular like figure or, or like Seth phenomena Rogen. that you'd really want to. I'd love to watch a, I'd love to watch a documentary on like the Judd Apatow era of comedy in okay. film. Okay. That's a good answer, man. That's a good answer. That's a really good answer. There you go, guys. I'm glad I came up with that. Yeah, but do you have a, do you have a non-sport one that you'd like to? A non-sport like to one. Yeah. I guess it'd be something. I guess video game related. I'd probably watch. Okay. I'm not sure specifically what, but yeah. Hmm. Okay. We'll come back to it. Maybe it's something we think about and we talk about in a future episode. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. Well, you guys, maybe maybe there's something specific that will come up that'll come to mind. So we'll we'll dock it for another time. 
Um, as for us, I mean, that's pro that's the longest isolation podcast we've had so far, but we didn't have a shortage of things to talk about this week. Um, we had a lot of stuff to talk about this week and hopefully it's just a sign of things to come with, uh, more games fest this week and, uh, and, and some, some exciting stuff happening out in the gaming world as well as in the movie world. Um, with more stuff coming to demand and uh, some new series that are going to be out this summer as well. So we'll definitely come back and talk about all the stuff that we're doing in isolation. That's kind of keeping us busy and uh, we'll be back next Monday and check us out again. Check us out on Thursday for the part two of the last of us survive and endure. Um, we will be covering the first few chapters of the game. Um, and then we will be going into the subsequent parts over the next couple of weeks, and we will be doing it up until release on June 19th. That's it. That's all we got for you this week. Awesome. You guys got anything to add? No, man. It was it was fun. Good stuff. It was fun. It was, it was a busy week, but it was a fun week. And as always, uh, it's been a slice. Bye, guys. Bye.